phenomenal week of Orioles baseball we have just experienced. The week started with the passing of Brooks Robinson. The Orioles legend and baseball Hall of Famer passed away at the age of 86, and while his passing was mourned, his life, both for his on-field accomplishments as well as all the lives he touched off the field, were celebrated. Then last night, the Orioles announced that they and the state of Maryland and the Maryland Stadium Authority have signed a lease to keep the Orioles in Baltimore, calling Camden Yards their home for the next 30 years or more. But perhaps the biggest news to celebrate came Later last night, when the Orioles won 2-0 over the Boston Red Sox, clinching their first American League East title since 2014. They also earned their first 100-win season since 1980, and just to put this in perspective, the only other Orioles teams to win 100 games or more were the 1969, 70, and 71 clubs. Those were truly historically great clubs, as well as the 1979 clubs. So they are now in some elite company, and the season isn't even over. There was potentially some overlooked symbolism in the final at-bat of last night's game, which featured Tyler Wells for the Orioles pitching, and he was a 15th round pick from the Minnesota Twins. He was picked up by the Orioles in the Rule 5 draft of 2020, and he was taking on Trevor Story, who signed a six-year, $140 million contract with the Red Sox two years ago. Well, let's put this in some perspective. For the first half of this year, Tyler Wells, before running into some arm fatigue, he has since been moved to the bullpen, was an elite pitcher in the American League. Trevor Story has hit over his two years in Boston for a 226 average, and he has played in less than half of the games that the Red Sox have played in during that span. All of this is to say that the Baltimore Orioles have gone about building their team differently than most other teams in Major League Baseball. Certainly, most of the teams in the American League East, except for maybe the Tampa Bay Rays, but they have not built this team by going out and spending massive sums of money. We'll get to more of that in just a second, but this is a team that is homegrown. It is built through trades. It is built through uh, Rule 5 acquisitions, and it is therefore a far more likable team, I would argue, to watch and to get behind than so many other teams that are filled with mercenaries that we see in Major League Baseball. This season has produced magical moment after magical moment, and for so many games throughout this season, it reminded me of the 1989 Why Not Orioles. That was a club that the year before had lost 21 games in a row to start the season. Heading into the 89 season, no one picked them to do anything. They were a young team. They, the only the really 
well-known names on that team would have been Billy Ripken and Cal Ripken Jr., his brother. It was a team managed by Orioles legend Frank Robinson, and it featured a cast of unknowns, guys like Steve Finley, Brady Anderson, Pete Harnish, Greg Olson, and Mickey Tettleton, all of whom would become much better known after that season and well beyond. But this was a team that held on to first place for much of that season, all the way up until September when they were overtaken by the Toronto Blue Jays. But I would say that a key difference between that team and this team, even though they were both not picked to do much of anything in their respective seasons, is that this team is much more talented. And speaking of that, Orioles manager Brandon Hyde was told by someone earlier this year that his team was very good. And he made a distinction by saying, no, we are talented. And now, at last, we can call them good, really good. Let's put some of this in some perspective. The Baltimore Orioles this year played in the toughest division in sports, the American League East. And for much of this season, every single team in that division was playing 500 ball or better. And it also featured a Tampa Bay Rays team that got off to a historically great start. They started the season by going 13-0, and they became the first major league team to win 50 games in their first 72, which put them on pace to win 112 games. But the Orioles were a team that simply did not go away. They were a team that believed in themselves from the beginning, even when others did not. Although we did believe in them here, we predicted them here on this very podcast to go to the World Series. And that claim, we did that, by the way, in March of this year. And that claim looks stronger now than ever before. But the Orioles, as I said, didn't go away. They kept hanging around, and when they played Tampa for a key four-game series in July, the Orioles took three of four, and along with it, the division lead, and they haven't looked back since. In the time since then, they have drawn praise from several other notable managers, guys like Alex Cora of the Red Sox, Kevin Cash of the Rays, and Dusty Baker of the Houston Astros, and A few weeks ago, veteran pitcher and imminent Hall of Famer Justin Verlander said the following about the Orioles. He said, quote, their organization is really stacked. There are a lot of young guys over there and you say, oh, expletive, where did they come from? Nobody really expected them to win the division. Everyone was talking about everyone else in that division. But you look at them, they got some really good young players and they hit. Do they ever hit? You play the game right, this game will reward you, and they play the game right. What does he what does he mean by playing the game right? Well, as someone who has watched them routinely this year, I can say that they are a team that hustles. They they are phenomenal at running bases. They are really committed to running out every ball, a slow ground ball, a lazy fly ball. They run and they play hard for their manager. And that is something that in the city of Baltimore goes a long, long way with fans. They are also selfless. There's a lot of 
roster flexibility on this team. Brandon Hyde, the manager, has used it over and over again. Some guys start some days, sometimes they don't. They move around several different positions. Sometimes they come in later in the game. Rookie of the year uh, candidate, and he's he's destined to get it this year, Gunnar Henderson. He has played shortstop. He has played third base. He has switched positions in the middle of a game. And nobody on this team complains. They are all there to play a team game. And this is very different than, say, a team like the San Diego Padres that was laden with talent, but at no point this year became a good team. The other thing that you see routinely with the Orioles is when guys have two strikes on them, they are no longer swinging for the fences. They are simply trying to put the ball in play, trying to move the base runner around the bases to come home to score. So everybody on this team has bought into a team first mentality and it shows on a nightly basis. They are also a team, speaking of how they play the game right here, they are also a team that plays with class. They are not out there showing anyone up. They are not out there throwing at anyone's heads. There have been no beanball battles between the Orioles and other teams this year, as we've seen with so many other teams. When an Orioles pitcher hits another guy, there's never a stare down. And when an Orioles hitter gets hit by another pitcher, there's never a stare down. So there's a lot of class on this team. They're clearly coached very well. And there are a lot of high character guys on this team and more coming up. We are going to get to them right now. Let's put another thing in perspective. The Baltimore Orioles have won this division. They sealed it up with some stellar play throughout the year. But here's a scary thought for any team that's an opponent of the Baltimore Orioles, especially within the American League East. This team is only just getting started. They are going to be better in the years ahead. The Orioles have a guy named Heston Kerstad, whom I believe is going to be a legitimate middle-of-the-order bat, somebody you could put into the same conversation with an Aaron Judge or a Jordano Alvarez. He's that kind of hitter, and he is he's currently playing on the Major League team, but we're going to get a full season of him next year. The Orioles also, as is widely known, have the number one prospect in the game in Jackson Holiday. He's an infielder. He will be coming up at some point next year. The Orioles also have pitching that is finally catching up to the positional players, and so that is coming along. We're going to see more pitching from within the organization coming to the major league level next year. And then lastly, finally, the international players are starting to be infused into this system, and the organization is going to start seeing the fruits of that labor as well. We cannot overstate enough how impactful manager Brandon Hyde has been on this baseball club. This club lost 110 games two years ago, and now, as we said, they're sitting on their first 100-win season since 1980. He will be manager of the year this year. The only question is whether it will be unanimous. I believe it should be, even though I have a heck of a lot of respect for several other managers in the American League, including guys like uh, Kevin Cash, uh, Rocco Baldelli of the the Minnesota Twins, and also Scott Surveys of the Seattle Mariners, 
and Dusty Baker of the Houston Astros all would be deserving of, of getting some votes. But I think the clear favorite here is manager Brandon Hyde. He's done a masterful job of using all of his parts and all of his very uh, flexible, adaptable moving parts to this baseball season. Mike Elias is the executive vice president and general manager of the Orioles. And as Sigma Dahl said, and he's the assistant GM, he said, quote, Elias created a culture in the front office and throughout baseball operations that is something I've never seen before. And this is coming from a guy who spent years and years in Houston where they did something very special, the the cheating scandal notwithstanding, to create an elite team on an annual basis. And again, Sigmaidal is saying he's never seen something like this before. So what has Mike Elias done? Well, we can look at the on-field product, but I think what he's done that just hasn't gotten enough attention is he has created an integration, a vertical integration within the Orioles organization of coaching so that when you have players moving from one level to the next, they are receiving the same instruction at every level. There's not a new kind of instruction that contradicts what they learned elsewhere. It's all part and parcel of a very thoughtful philosophy that the Orioles have created. Mike Elias has also brought in coaches who nurture and build confidence within the players, and he's given those coaches access to whatever data and new technology they need in order to perform their jobs at the highest level possible. And then finally, he has created a culture within this organization of high character people. You can see the coaches when they're interviewed. You just have a sense when you're listening to them. These are people we would play hard for, or I would play hard for. That's the impression that I get. And he's drafted players who are clearly high character guys. Think about Adley Rutschman. Think about Heston Kerstad. Think about Gunnar Henderson. These are all guys who are not going to be cancers in the clubhouse. They're going to be the opposite. They're going to be guys who put the team before themselves. And that's been a huge dimension of this baseball club. So we can close with this. The Baltimore Orioles are now a world-class baseball organization. We can now put them in the same sentence with Atlanta Tampa, and perhaps the best of them all, the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Orioles, we might add, are changing baseball before our very eyes. They started this season with the 28th or 29th largest payroll out of 30 teams, depending on which source you consult, and that is in marked contrast to what the New York Mets, the New York Yankees, and the San Diego Padres all did this year. They went out and spent massive sums of money, and none of those teams will be going to the playoffs. Unlike those teams, the Orioles, as we just mentioned, are set up for years to come. For years to come, they have a window of competition before them that could, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, stretch out five, six, seven years into the future if they do things right. And I believe that the indications are that under Mike Elias and all those he has around them, the Orioles will be doing things right. The Orioles have a tall task ahead of them, getting even to the World Series, let alone winning it, 
let alone doing it year in and year out, is an extremely hard thing to do. And their road to the World Series will be filled with many challenges. But in the meantime, I am going to enjoy seeing a sea of orange at Camden Yards at Oriole Park starting this October. More to come. I'm Dimitri Gatsiunas. Gatsiunas.